Hello and welcome to Afternoonified, the podcast where we've discovered the secret to remaining young and beautiful forever. Uh, like a new face cream or something? W- what's in it? Don't worry about it. Oh. Serial killers. That's the lore of the show. I mean, is it? Yes, it's an accurate. We're not serial killers. Oh my god, what am I even saying? No, we're not. <laughs> uh, just arsonists. That one might be true. <laughs> Spent a lot of time in my teen years blowing up lots of old shitty microwaves with fireworks. What? You not heard this story? No. <laughs> we had one night. Someone, one of my friends just had like a shitty microwave and I had leftover fireworks from 4th of July. We were at my house. So we just went out to the road, the gravel road that like runs by my parents' house. Uh-huh. And uh, we've put all the fireworks and some old skunked beer into the microwave and lit it on fire. Just for fun? Yeah, because... There's literally nothing else to do when you grow up in a town of 2,000 people. I mean, Junction City doesn't have that many more people, and I don't think I've ever blown up a microwave. Your friends weren't as creative. We also do, have you ever made a works bomb? A what? So you get like a plastic bottle, and you um, roll up little pieces of like tinfoil, like Reynolds wrap. And you roll those into balls, you pop them in the bottle, uh, then you add, like, the cleaning solution, the works. That's you very specific. That yeah. Um, and then you screw the, ta- the cap shut, you shake them up real hard, and then you throw them away because some sort of chemical reaction happens and it explodes. All right, Not like so a we- fiery explosion, but it pops and goes boom really loud. I'm going to have to beep out most of what you just said because of legal <laughs> reasons. <laughs> they're not harmful probably probably you do you, them right you just said that you had to throw them away because of a chemical reaction also well, you I use mean, the word bomb <laughs> bomb might be generous it, it's just kind of I, I think the pressure gets too high in the bottle and it pops I don't know we th- threw them out into the dark I never saw what happened um so I looked up the uh, population of Junction City, and it's actually about 5,300. Oh, yeah, that's way big. There were 100 people in my graduating class. We had 85, but that was like five towns combined. Um, Literally half the county. In my, uh, I guess it would have been kindergarten through when I left in eighth grade. There were between four or three and four people in my class at any given time. Jesus. It was a private Catholic school. Yeah, that has a lot to do with it, I'm sure. Yeah, this got way off topic really fast. I'm padding the episode. Oh, right. Because <laughs> I didn't write a whole up. Ep- no, I wrote a whole episode. It just didn't end up being as long as I thought it might be. It happens. Um we're talking about, uh, you can pronounce her name correctly. <laughs> uh, do you want the Hungarian pronunciation? Because I looked it up. Well, she was Hungarian, was she, she not? She was Hungarian. Uh, it's technically, because in Hungarian, you say last name first, then first name. Um, it's Bautery 
Urshabet. I mean, that sounds like a vampire name if I ever heard one. I mean, it's the Z sound in there that really gets you. Uh, yeah, so Elizabeth ba- um, Bouchery is the correct pronunciation of her name. It's spelled like Bathory, and it's how I pronounce it in my head, so I'm sorry in advance if I slip Oh, me up. too. <laughs> uh, I'm really trying very hard as I was writing this to repeat it to myself every time I wrote it down. Um, so I'm going to use for the Hungarian pronunciation, but be aware, I don't speak Hungarian. It's a really hard language. Um, now that I'm we've trying. told people what the episode is, um, we can do our post game on. Oh yes, you wanted to the, the Christmas um, compliment yeah. my voice acting. Uh, yes, your voice acting specifically was inspired. I expected as much. Um, no, uh, we recorded the uh, Christmas special, which came out I don't know a while ago at this point. Couple weeks. Um, couple weeks. Uh, we recorded it on Saturday, and I haven't started editing it yet, but I just have to say I'm so proud of everybody uh, who was part of it uh, because it was a insane idea I had, and for some reason, you guys went along with it. It was a lot of fun. Um, Avalon especially made me crack up. I am so glad Sadie suggested, or you suggested, someone said that I should ask him because... It was we, me. <laughs> we needed one more boy voice. I was like, well, I only know one other boy, so it should be Avalon. Yeah, it was, I'm not going to say beautiful, because that seems to be a tad generous for an amateur recording of A Christmas Carol. <laughs> um, but I did find out, and I told you guys this, that Dickens actually wrote an abridged version for public performance. You did tell us this. Which After I, you had gone through what was the actual, like, novel um, and transcribed it, essentially? I, I Yeah, I copied... You essentially adapted it for I did. a radio I did. play. Um, yeah, it, I had to take some parts out because it was too long. It's still, our recording session was over two hours long, even though I was like, it's only going to be an hour, guys, don't worry. <laughs> but I think... Sadie ahead of time was like... Should I reserve the library? Is it really going to be two hours? Like, you've had us, like, we've done recordings of Monster Pod before that have gone for seven hours. Yeah, it was, I'm just, I hope everybody liked it. Um, it was a, it was a wild ride. I, yeah, I guess I did adapt it and uh, it's hard. So next time you, like, see a movie and you're like, well, why didn't they put that scene in it? I like that scene a lot. Just... Remember, it doesn't always make for an interesting read out loud. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so Elizabeth, a vampire? Yes. Elizabeth Bautery. She was a Hungarian countess and a vampire, possibly a werewolf, depending on your sources. What? <laughs> it's a thing. I, I've never heard that angle. Uh, she was definitely a bisexual lesbian Satanist witch. Ooh. Uh, she is widely believed to be the most prolific murderer in history. And people have um, framed it as she's the most prolific female murderer. But I looked on Wikipedia of the list of, like, most prolific serial killers. All of, most of them dudes. She's not even top ten. Uh, no, like, the near, the top one was, like, 300. Who was that? Uh, some guy in Colombia. Oh, oh, him. That guy. Yeah. So it's like, so none of the numbers, at least on that list... Did not reach 650, which is 
her death toll, allegedly. We'll get into it. Um, yeah. So I think she's just straight up a very prolific murderer without having to bring gender into it. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, she still did a lot of damage. I don't know if, like, rankings are helping anybody in that case. <laughs> no. Let's, let's not try and be the top score there. Uh, so... Uh, from around 1590 to 1610, Elizabeth tortured and killed hundreds, maybe even thousands, of young women bathing in their blood to main her, maintain her youth and remain beautiful. I have a feeling you're going to tell me it's all bullshit. Not as much as you would think. Oh, good. It's been a whole thing. I mean, it's been hundreds of years, so I feel like some of the uh, indignance of being like, oh, cool, she actually did those things has worn off, but it's still very sad a bunch of ladies died. Yeah. Uh, so, allegedly, when she ran out of local peasant girls to murder, Bautery, Bautery, see, I kept fucking doing it, Bautery began inviting the daughters of lesser nobles to come stay at her castle. But when these girls, too, began to disappear, authorities were finally forced to investigate. What constitutes a uh, lesser noble? Are these, like, your viscounts and uh, barons? Something like that. No, because, like, she started as baron, and she was baroness. She was pretty powerful. I think it's just like, you know, like minor lords, like, you know, in like Game of Thrones where you've got like House Stark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got like all the other houses beneath them. I think it's kind of a that sort of situation. I actually didn't know about that power structure in Game of Thrones, but. Oh. Oh, wait, no. There was. No, now that you've said it and I've actually thought. Yes, (laughs) it makes sense. To be fair, I did not do a deep dive into like mid Middle Ages Hungarian politics for this episode. I'm That's not. another episode. Yeah. No, it's not. I'm not going to no, do it. No, it's not. That sounds very boring. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. The Lesser Nobles. Yes. Uh, great <laughs> CW show that I'm yes. working on. Uh, so when their daughters began to disappear, finally, there was an investigation. Uh, so these guys descended into the tunnels beneath Bautry's castle, where they found a dungeon full of horribly mutilated, dead, dying, and imprisoned girls, as well as Bautry herself covered in blood as she tortured her final victim. And this kind of sounds like a, I don't know, a La Lurie thing. Like, old-timey women very into the kidnap and torture of people in secret rooms? Yeah, there's a lot of similarities with uh, La Lurie. You'll I'll point out a couple of them. Um, anyway, the story I just told mm-hmm. is the legend you'll most frequently come across on the internet. It's true. Uh, yeah, history, as it turns out, is a little more complicated and nuanced oh. than the creepypastas you'll find on what? those... Black background, green text, websites. You're lying. (laughs) Surprise. I don't know if you guys know this, but people sometimes just make shit up. No. Like the werewolf thing, which I saw in like one place and no one said anything more about. I don't actually get into any of the werewolf stuff. I do get into some of the vampire stuff. I mean, just people try to give the story their own flavor, like how you'll add cayenne pepper to a recipe that didn't call for it. And now it's your recipe. Yeah, exactly like that. So we're going to start with a few things we do know. Um, so Elizabeth Bautry, or Bautry, or Zabet, as I mentioned earlier, if you want to go with the original Hungarian pronunciation, uh, she was born in either 1560 or 1561. Again, history, we don't actually know. People weren't as great as uh, about recording birthdays, I think, in those days. It was days. just kind of loose because you were born at home and it was whenever you decided to like hop on down to town. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, she was born into the power, powerful Bautry family who essentially controlled all of Transylvania at the time. 
Um, Transylvania today is part of Romania, but at the time, like this is, we're going to mention like Transylvania, Slovakia, Romania, Hungary, Austria. Rom- does Romania They're all kind of a- one thing at this time. <laughs> this does, point done okay i was just gonna ask i thought romania did exist as its own thing but you're talking about the past yeah and it's also like parts of romania might have been i'm not exactly sure what the borders are just like a lot of this a lot of this takes place in what are now different modern day countries but at the time was all hungary okay so uh so her father was baron george the sixth um of the etched branch of the family uh, he, and he was brother to Andrew Bonaventura Bateri, who had been the voivode of Transylvania, which at the time, this was the highest ranking official in that region. Uh, her mother, Baroness Anna Bateri, uh, who came from the Somlio branch of the family. So literally same family, different branches of it. She sounds like kind of a bitch, but that might just be the name. <laughs> uh, she was the daughter of Stephen Bauteri. Um, <laughs> just a fucking guy named Stephen Stephen, it's it's spelled, and actually, this is the also the Anglicanized version of the name. It's like Istvan, I think. Okay. In Hungarian, <laughs> it's just there's only so much like faking Hungarian that I can do. <laughs> um, so Stephen Bautry, he had also served as voivode. Uh, her brother and Urzebet's uncle, he was also named Stephen. Uh, he was the king of Poland and a prince of Transylvania, and then Urzebet's brother also named Stephen, <laughs> would later become a judge royal. It's like, you know it's a really cool royal family because everyone's all related the same thing. and they all have the same name. Three generations of Eastvans. <laughs> Stephen for the ages. <laughs> uh, Bautri was raised as a Calvinist Protestant, and as a young woman, she learned Latin, German, Hungarian, and Greek, and was, of course, expected to be a lady of nobility. I'm glad she learned Hungarian because is that not her native tongue? Essentially, yeah. <laughs> just check in. Just, they just throw that one in there because they want me to think four languages sound so much more impressive than three. Never mind that two of those. Well, I guess just the one. They don't specify if it's like actual Greek or like ancient Greek. I'm sure in that time period, it was also it was, a completely different language. It was recent past Greek. Yeah. Uh, so during her childhood, she reportedly suffered from seizures, um, possibly even epilepsy, um, which, if you were of a lower class, would probably have been diagnosed as demonic possession. But she, since she was, you know, an important noblewoman. You get a freebie. <laughs> they called it falling sickness. Yeah. Uh, it was probably super hushed up so as not to ruin her marriage prospects. Uh, so at the time, a common treatment for the disease was to rub the blood of a non-sufferer on the lips of an affected as the seizure ended, or to mix it with a piece of skull, which is not specified how, it's the, it's the medicinal cannibalism. I mean, much like with the bomb again. recipe you gave us earlier in the episode, it's probably best if we don't know how to do it. <laughs> no, I don't want to know how you ingest a skull. Uh, this, of course, has led to speculation that her killings later in life were an attempt to self-medicate, except this makes no sense because there's no reports of her actually consuming blood, only bathing in it. Uh, and it's all rampant speculation to begin with. Uh, there's actually no hard evidence she was ever epileptic. Everyone practices self-care in their own ways. Sometimes you need to take a bath, sometimes you need to clean out your car, and sometimes you need to bathe in the blood of virgins. It all depends. As you do. It's personal. <laughs> so this is going to be a running theme this whole episode. It's very difficult, especially as um, a non-historian trying to write this episode at 8 o'clock on a Sunday night before you record. 
Uh, you finished uh, to, it this afternoon. Do not lie to the people. I added to it this afternoon. <laughs> so to can we untangle just, facts from folklore from sensationalist nonsense. So can we just wrap this entire episode in an allegedly warning? I think you can wrap this whole episode in a giant shrug emoji. <laughs> which is kind of how I feel about every fact. <laughs> I'm using liberal air quotes here in this episode. It's literally um, the podcast equivalent of... <laughs> <laughs> is say I don't have access to primary sources, so the best I can do is kind of just talk about all of it, and I'm going to try and call out at least like what's been disputed or debated. I read two books That's about pizza do. and adapted a Dickensian classic, and you couldn't even interview a physicount from the fucking like 1700s, Sarah. Well, I was going to go back to Budapest and see if I could access their archives to you know see the original letters, <laughs> but. <laughs> It seemed like a lot of work. That costs money. Yeah. And we decided to do this episode a week ago. Also, yes. <laughs> I've been procrastinating on this for like a month. Uh, so also firmly in the no hard evidence category are the stories that suggest torturing servants was just a cool, fun pastime for members of the Bowtery family. I mean, honestly, that's the most factful sounding thing you've said. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't surprise me because I feel like, one, like, if you are of that class in that time, you probably view lesser people as lesser than you and less than human. Oh, for sure. And, like, people in general were just kind of more cruel. Yeah. I mean, we kind of grew as a people, but, like, not. It's just, we're just terrible yeah. in different ways. Um, but Urshabet, of course, would be exposed to this cruelty at a young age. Uh, in one account... Upon witnessing a thief being sewn into the stomach of a horse, what? she like, laughed at the sight of it. Like he's fucking Luke Skywalker? Just... Yeah, except he can't get out and uh, you suffocate and die, I think. Oh, no! Poor it pony! terrible. So, at age 10, Bautry was engaged to Ferenc Nadashi. Uh, he was the son of another Hungarian statement, statesman, though not one as well-connected or powerful as anyone in the Bautry family. Yeah, but he sounds hot. <laughs> Uh, I'll find you a picture of him. He's okay, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> a picture like a tin type? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ferenc, too, allegedly reveled in the torture of servants and peasants. Uh, it is rumored that before their wedding, Bautry became pregnant by a local peasant boy uh, and would later give birth to a child secreted somewhere away in Wallachia, which is Romania. I feel like the phrase peasant boy was not good for that context peasant man maybe peasant of age it was described as peasant boy because well she would have been like 13 at this time that okay it's all bad okay keep going yeah. <laughs> uh and he was described in at least the accounts i read which of course are who even knows but he was described as a boy it just so sounds like she was fucking aladdin in like age. yeah um Oh, when Ferenc found out, he castrated him, ah, the boy, what? Uh, and, threw, <laughs> and threw his body to his dogs for them to eat. A real Game of Thrones Ramsey, situation. What's, the, what's his... Ramsey God, Bolton. I hated him. Yes. Yeah. He was the fucking worst. Um, it was jarring because he is the absolute cutest human alive in Misfits. Yes. He's adorable. Actually, he's kind of rapey in the first season of Misfits. Not the point. Um, Speaking of rapey. Uh, there is, of course, no evidence for the story. 
Uh, it seems to be based primarily on rumors that were spread by peasants long after Bautri's death. So that's probably all of it just made up. But I told you it anyway because it it adds to the flavor of the story. I don't know. There's a lot of really just terrible things. It is the heavy dose of smoked paprika on top of the goulash that are the all these lies. But yes, (laughs) it's a very accurate description. Uh, So regardless of any uh, premarital hiccups, the wedding went as planned. The couple was married on May 8th, 1575, uh, when Urjabet was 15 and Ference was 19. Uh, because her social standing was higher than that of her husband, Urjbet kept the Bautri name, uh, and Ferenc adopted it as well. I think he just kind of added it to the Nadashi. Oh, yeah. We don't really talk about him much, so it doesn't matter. Ferenc's wedding gift to his wife was, oh boy, going to try and pronounce this. I've written it out, and now I'm bombing. It's like Chaktisa? I don't know what that is. It's spelled C-A-C-H-T-I-C-E. It's a castle. Oh, so a house. Um, they got him. So while Bautri had this whole string of castles, uh-huh. he got her a nice house. Uh, she had a whole bunch of castles already in like Austria and Hungary. Um, but Choctisa was her, it was in modern day Slovakia, that was her favorite. And it was where the majority of her crimes would later take place. So in 1578. I mean, you always commit crimes at your favorite house. Yes, you do. Yeah. Well, you know, home is where the murder is. <laughs> I mean, if you're John Wynne Gacy, yeah. I mean, true. Uh, so in 1578, uh, this is three years after their marriage, uh, Ferenc became chief commander of the Hungarian troops. At, like, age 22, I should point out, which... I mean, you only live to be 30, I mean, so... yeah, he did, essentially. But also, like, God, can you imagine today having a <laughs> 22-year-old? Like, I know the army is generally pretty young anyway, but a 22-year-old in charge of all your armies... I don't trust a 22-year-old boy to do laundry. <laughs> yeah, my little brother's 21, and he's gotten more responsible, but goddammit, I would not trust him with an important errand. So, because he was, you know, big noble war hero, he uh, spent most of the following years away at war, while the um, Hungary was at war with the Ottomans at this time. Uh, did he come back with a bunch of his trophies sure from did. army? <laughs> and they were probably all heads. I don't know. I'm just making that <laughs> up. Um, Bautri, in the meantime, was charged with uh, the management and defense of the family's land. Uh, so with him being away for so long and so frequently, it was actually 10 years into their marriage before Bautri gave birth to their first daughter, Anna. Uh, despite all his awayness, uh, she did succeed in bearing five children between 1585 and 1598, three daughters, two sons. Um, all but one of the sons lived into adulthood. I mean, that's a pretty good track record, honestly. (laughs) I'm actually still processing five Five. children. She didn't take care of any of them. It was, she was rich. She had people to do that for her. Um, Surprisingly, I never saw any speculation that any of her kids might have been illegitimate. That kind of seems like a charge that you would expect, given... Look, Sarah, she was a monster, but she wasn't fucking around. Uh... Then again, I would imagine because he's going, uh, Ferenc is off fighting a bunch of wars. His absences are probably fairly well documented. And if he was really was like gone for years at a time, I feel like it would be pretty obvious if one of those kids wasn't his. Yeah. Yeah. This is just me speculating. I mean, it's it's true. 
Uh, so Ferenc would eventually die of an illness of, at, in 1604 at the age of 48. So he actually, he wasn't, he didn't live that a good long life in the Middle Ages. Yeah, I mean, he was basically like 90. Uh, he, in this, um, meant Elizabeth then was in control of his vast and strategically important estates. Okay, I gotta take a deep breath. Stretch. Oh no. Okay, so. By the time of her husband's death, uh, rumors of the atrocities Bowtree was committing behind her castle walls had begun to spread throughout the kingdom. Uh, in between 1602 and 1604, a Lutheran minister named Istvan Magyari, uh, he made complaints against Bowtree both publicly and at the court in Vienna. Oh, wait. So is this all writing on the testimony of a priest? No. We're going to okay. Just checking. He was just the first one to, like, bring it to the attention of the authorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because, of course, these were just peasant girls being murdered, um, by all accounts, his accusations were just kind of ignored by. You know, I take back what we said, what I said, we, I'm not grouping you into this, what I said earlier about people being awful in different ways. No, we're awful in the exact same yeah, ways. generally. <laughs> oh, the pores are missing? Who gives a shit? If they wanted to better themselves, they would just stop being poor. Just saying. Oh, of course. Of course. I hear that they had butter churns in their homes. They can't be poor if they have butter churned, Sarah. <laughs> uh, so, in a similar vein, it wasn't until 1609 <laughs> when reports that Bowtree had slain women from noble families uh, began to surface that the Habsburg king, Matthias II, uh, then king of Hungary and later Holy Roman Empire, launched a formal inquiry. There we go. Yep. Uh, so the guy he assigned, um, his he was the Palatine of Hungary, which is kind of the governor of Hungary. Highest ranking official. Uh, his name was George Thurzo. George, we're going to call him. And really just Thurzo the whole time because that's the only name okay. I can pronounce. That's uh, fair. He sent two notaries to gather evidence. Uh, so over the next two years, they would collect statements from over 300 witnesses, including local priests, noblemen, and commoners. <laughs> According to the testimonies, Bowtree's initial victims were servant girls between the ages of 10 and 14. Oh. Then uh, local peasant girls who had been lured to the castle with the promise of work, which is horrible. Yeah. Later, it's believed Bowtree began to kill the daughters of some lesser gentry who she had invited to the castle to learn courtly etiquette. Uh, the list of atrocities Bowtree would subject her victims to is long and particularly gruesome. Uh, they describe victims being burned with hot irons or beat to death with clubs. Uh, she would also stick needles under their fingernails. Oh, no. No. That's the... No. Uh, <laughs> I want to say it gets worse, but that's pretty bad. Uh, it does get worse, though. Uh, she would pour ice water over their bodies and leave them to freeze to death in the snow. Still not as bad as needles under the fingernails. Uh, she would, in what I imagine is uh, later inspiration for Delphine LaLaurie, cover them in honey and ants so the bugs could feast on their exposed skin. Okay, now that is worse than the needles. Uh, uh, she would also bite chunks of flesh off their breasts and faces or, ugh, this is this is actually the one I don't like the most. Uh, she would use scissors to cut off hands or nose mm -hmm. or genitals mm -hmm. or she would just slice them open. Genitals? The genitals. Uh, There's nothing would... out there. Uh, she would also slice open the skin between their fingers, which is, <laughs> yeah, why is that the most cringy one? I don't get it either. I don't, don't like people fucking with hands. Yeah, it, so, really awful stuff. Uh, she was arrested in December 1610, along with four servants who were accused of being her accomplices. So, often in the story, you'll see that Thurzo actually discovered Bowtree in the act of torture, 
Um, and even that Thurzo declared that he had caught her in the act. Um, but as with everything, little actual evidence that any of this happened. Uh, of course. It's probably an embellishment. They believe that just way the timeline works out that she had been detained and arrested already uh, by the time he even entered the castle. But he does report that on entering the castle, he would find the bodies of dead and dying girls. Okay. So they do have proof that there were like dead people and it was her fault. According to Thurzo. So did you say he was a member of the clergy? Nope. He was, um, it sounds like he should be the clergy. He was the Palatine. So he was like just the high important government person. Okay. And I don't know if you've covered this and I wasn't paying attention or you will cover it. Did he have like an axe to grind? No pun intended with her. We'll we'll get into it a little later. Okay. Yeah. There's speculate Again, speculation is the word of the day. <laughs> uh, so Bautry's four collaborators were put on trial in January 1611, um, and it's from these court proceedings that we get most of what we actually know about the case. Um, it's also where we get some wild variations in the number of victims Bautry actually had. Uh, so the number cited during the trial in the one you'll hear today was 650. Uh, there's only a single source for this number, and that's a servant girl, Susanna, who testified uh, that Bautry's court official had seen the figure in one of Bautry's private books. So not that Susanna had even seen it, that someone else had seen it and she had heard about it. Mm, mm. Uh, the book, if it existed, never came to light. Uh, the court official who did testify never mentioned it. <sighs> so it's probably bunk. Uh, the official count um, that they used in the trial was 80. I did see one historian who's... Um, had study or like study the testimonies and put the number at like 3000. Um, but I'm also pretty sure the guy thinks he was uh, the guy thinks she was a Satanist. Oh God. Why does Satan get blamed for all of this shit? Yeah. Uh, full disclosure. I had to run that article through Google translate cause it was in Slovakia. <laughs> I may have misinterpreted it, but that's the impression I got <laughs> from this interview. It's all we can ask for. <laughs> So uh, three of her four accomplices were convicted and sentenced to death. The other was imprisoned for life. Uh, the two female servants had their fingertips pulled off by pincers uh, before being thrown into a fiery pit. Uh, the male servant was just beheaded. Of course. I don't know why there would be a difference. No, There's no literally reason no all. reason at all. <laughs> uh, Bowtree, meanwhile, was imprisoned in her own castle. Uh, so according to some stories, literally bricked into her room with nothing but a slot to pass food through. Uh, she herself was never put on trial um, in what's more or less a classic case of, oh, shit, <laughs> this person's really rich and important. We're just going to make this go away. Uh, King Matthias reportedly did want a trial. Um, more so, he like I think he even came out and said he wanted her to be put to death, uh, probably because... Uh, if she was executed, all her property would be seized. By there the it is. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> okay. Uh, but the thing is, like, Thurzo, he either, like, dragged his feet and delayed the trial, or he, like, actually talked the king out of the trial in the first place. So the person who um, caught her was like, no, 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 we don't need to murder her? Yeah. he His argument to the king, allegedly, was that it was just going to result in public scandal. It was going to make the nobles look bad. They yeah she was her family was very powerful important and I don't think he wanted to rock the boat okay I mean probably right yeah but um whatever 
Um, whatever his motivations, and we'll debate that later, um, Bautri never again left um, Choctasa and died there in 1614 at the age of 54. Uh, she was originally buried in the local cemetery, uh, but I don't think any of the locals actually wanted her there, given what she had done. Done. Uh, so she was eventually disinterred and reburied near her family home in Etched, Hungary. Uh, the exact location of her grave has been lost to time. Well, that's probably for she the best. She could be behind you right now. I mean, unless she's a cat playing with a glitter ball. <laughs> she could be. Maybe she's possessed Lucy. Yes. The famous murderess has reincarnated as my 14-pound cat who pees on the couch when she doesn't have enough food, she thinks. I mean, I can see it. The vet literally said that she had a, what was it, resource-induced anxiety. I get it. Meaning if she thinks that she doesn't have enough food or toys or attention or something, she pees to get back at us. So that's just a fun fact. Um, that's That sounds fun. I remember these stories when you had first got her. And, like, whenever you would leave her for, like, more than 12 hours, she would pee on your bed? Wasn't that it? Uh, no, she would pee on the couch um, just because she was unhappy. Yeah. I remember that making me very nervous. Gina's never peed on my bed, but I still, like... Lucy only... For a long time, would not let her in my room. Yeah, Lucy only does it... Um, she did it when we were getting ready to leave because I was packing, and she did it because I didn't scoop the litter box fast enough. But it's been, like, twice in the last four months, so... That's pretty good. Yeah. Everything's washable. She's it's fine. Adjusting. Yeah. Meanwhile, Minnie never has, but sometimes she'll eat too fast, get scared at a noise, and then puke. June pukes a lot, and it's usually hairballs, and it's disgusting every time. Welcome to Cat Talk. <coughs> um, <laughs> oh, that was very interesting about this woman who may or may not have murdered 80 to, what, 600 people or something? Probably not 650, but maybe. Who knows? And may or may not have been a werewolf, but probably was not a vampire, but still liked to bathe in the blood of 10-year-olds? Actually, we're going to get to that right now. Uh, so the bathing in the blood thing, that's kind of a common theme. Uh, in the years after her death, um, particularly, particularly in the 18th and 19th centuries, uh, writers began putting their own spin on Bautry's story, uh, liberally adding or omitting facts depending on whatever suited that their narrative. Right. Literally making shit up. Uh, the most famous example of this is the charge that um, Bautry literally bathed in the blood of her victims, thinking it would keep her young and beautiful. Uh, so as the story often goes, uh, one day Bautry was so angered by one of her servant girls that she began to beat her. Uh, the reason given for this abuse is often something super trivial, like the servant snagged a tangle while brushing the countess's hair, or just like, like, oh, hey, your headdress is a little crooked today, and got beat for She it. was just terrible. Like, she wasn't a good person. No. Uh, either way, the servant was beaten so severely that by the time she was finished, Bautry was spattered with the girl's blood. Upon wiping it away, she realized her skin was looking more dewy radiant than it had before. And sure, you know us ladies, always thinking about our skin. Actually, that is kind of accurate. It's true. I was actually just glancing at ads on my phone for setting powder. So here we are. <laughs> uh, but this whole story is both patently ridiculous and almost definitely made up. Um, bathing in blood isn't mentioned in any of the testimonies in later trials. Um, and in fact, doesn't appear in writing until 1729, uh, over a century after Bowdry's death. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, the whole thing isn't even practical. Someone on the internet somewhere did the math. 
Uh, you need to kill something like 20 girls to draw even a decent bath. Well, if it's not practical, Sarah, then why are we bothering? Well, that and like blood coagulates in minutes. So yeah, you're going to be sitting in blood goop. Yeah, we need to do an episode about uh, just blood. Yeah, would be pleasant. Different types, all of that. I don't know what my blood type is. Neither do I. It's never really come up. <laughs> it's not been an issue. Um, of course, yeah, this is bullshit. Others writer, other writers ran with it anyway, because that's just how these things work. Um, but then once the witness accounts were released in like 18-something or other, um, people started debunking it as early as the 19th century, uh, the witness after the accounts were published. Uh, so coincidentally or not... The emergence of the whole bloodbath myth coincides pretty closely with the vampire scares of the early 18th century, okay. which might have inspired it a little bit. Bautry, it should be mentioned, was not, in fact, a vampire, just in case any was, anyone was wondering, because vampires Didn't she take some bites real. out of people, allegedly? I mean, she did bite some people. <laughs> but, like, the face and boobs. Prime she spots. Was a, no. <laughs> not exactly. No. So this is where we get in the question of, was she maybe innocent? It's maybe kind of been a trend in later years to kind of absolve her of some of this. So some Hungarian scholars have argued that Bautry was a victim of conspiracy and that the proceedings against her were part of a political plot. That because of her wealth and power, her status as a very important and powerful woman, uh, the leaders of Hungary perceived her as a threat. Uh, there also might have been some religious motivations. Bautry, as we mentioned, was Protestant and a powerful Protestant noble in a time when Hungary was ruined by or ruled by the staunchly Catholic Habsburg family. Uh, sorry, that's mm, it happens. It happened. Uh, religious conflict. Yeah, it just seems like everything <laughs> comes down to, but they like a different kind of Jesus. I mean, that's usually what it is. There had also just been a major Protestant rebellion in Hungary in the years leading up to her arrest, which could have been a factor. Really, just given the general climate of the time, not difficult to believe that religious tension maybe played a role. As it did with almost every other conflict in that time period. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so witness testimony, of course, you have over 300 witnesses testifying to her crimes. But, you know, these can be exaggerated. And while Bautry's four alleged accomplices all confessed to the crimes, they also did so under torture. Huh. Important uh -huh. to note. Yep. Torture generally not great for getting accurate confessions. And wasn't there uh, some kind of inquisition? Uh, some little, yeah, and, just like and a some, little thing. Like a little bit after that, there were some trials, I want to say, near Boston. Something about werewolves? No. No, 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 it was the other thing. It was, uh, it's vampires. You know, the Salem vampire trials? It's always vampires. Um, so anyway, <laughs> at the time there was physical, um, there was reportedly physical evidence. Uh, Thurso did say he had found bodies, um, but now we're 400 years removed from this. We kind of just have to take his word for it. Um, so I am willing to be skeptical of this. Um, I'm willing to be skeptical of just about anything, as you've probably come to realize. Well, um, yeah. But from what I've read, Thurso's description of Bautry's crimes remained consistent even in private correspondence with his wife, where he'd had really no reason to exaggerate or embellish. Mm -hmm. So I can believe that all of it was made up, but it doesn't seem likely. 
I mean, there might be some truth to it, but it also might have been embellished to make her look guiltier than she actually was. Yeah, or just general witnesses wanting to get in on it and making stuff up. Witness testimony in itself is shaky, but in the end, what this theory really boils down to is the idea that um, King Matthias and Thurzo stood to gain quite a bit from Battery's ruin, um, including... Um, increased political power for Thurzo, and apart from the substantial property Matthias stood to gain, he reportedly owed a great deal of money to the Baudry family. Mm. Um, The thing is, if this was a political plot, it was a dumb political plot, because neither Matthias or Thurzo actually went through with it. Cold feet. Maybe. Um, The religious angle, for starters, seems moot. Um, The first accusations, of course, were made against her by a Protestant minister. Um, On top of that, he made the complaints and they were ignored. Uh, Even, um, But then even after Thurzo had gathered his evidence and they tried her accomplices, they didn't try her. And to actually seize her land and her property, Matthias would have had to have convicted and executed her. So they... they they prosecuted people who allegedly helped her, but they never prosecuted her. No, she never went to trial. That um, so hmm. yeah, and so like I said, like there's let apparently talked him out of this, but ultimately, like her property was distributed to her heirs, and she died, and nothing happened with it. Like no one got her land that wouldn't have gotten her land, regardless. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know that is weird. So. But they had the evidence, or they could have manufactured it, if that's the thing you're going with. But they never used it. So if that was a whole end goal, then why not just follow through with that? I mean, I guess it wouldn't be hard to fabricate the evidence because they were the authorities. And also it was, what? 1611. 1611. Like, Like, you can just write things down. People will believe you. (laughs) We've convicted for less. Yeah. And I say, more than anything, it seems like Thurzo actually went out of his way to hush the whole thing up. Um, Even, like I said, um, she was never specifically named as a perpetrator of the crimes. Like, in the records, it's her household staff that's implicated. Um, So I don't think a conspiracy between Matthias and Thurzo actually holds any water. Um, I can can see a scenario where Matthias was motivated to get rid of her because he would have gotten her land. He owed her some money. Oh, yeah. Um, but, like, Thurzo was uh, – it almost seems like he was working against him. Like, he went along with it and he gathered the evidence, but he used his power to delay the trial and kind of protect her, did what he could to protect her given the circumstances. I mean, they may have paid him off. Possibly. Um, it is said that before his death, um, Bautry's husband had reportedly asked Thurzo to look out for his family. So it could be that he was, like – he couldn't say no to the king, but in his own way, he was kind of doing his dead friend a solid. Okay. I don't know. Like I said, this is all a big shrug emoji. <laughs> I say in the end, they both sort of got their way. Um, Thurso did succeed in delaying the trial, as we mentioned. Um, and in return for allowing Bautry to remain on house arrest, um, Matthias's debt to the family was forgiven. So he did get a little something out of it, even if he didn't get everything he could have. Yeah, and she died alone and alone. And maybe bricked up in a, her room? That seems a little extreme to me. Yeah, that sounds like a later edition. Yeah, like I feel like she was probably contained in her quarters, but I don't think they went as far as to brick them up. They Yield probably house just arrest. locked her in, yeah, and posted a couple guards. Who knows? 
Uh, so are some of the stories about Urjabet Battery greatly embellished? Absolutely. Uh, was she still a sadistic murderer of servant girls? Seems likely. I kind of fall in the middle. She probably wasn't a vampire, though. Like, 90% sure. I mean, if we know anything, vampires are actually <laughs> ladies' heads with entrails that zoom around. That's a way cooler vampire than just some lady Isn't biting it? her servants. Isn't it? I'm telling you. that creative. Asia has better, like, monsters than... Just straight than up and down, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was informative, and uh, there yeah, was a lot. you learned something? I learned a lot. I, I, she is an interesting... That sounds like such a euphemism of a word. She is an interesting figure to study. It does sound like you're uh, alluding to something. <laughs> like, she is well, a friendly lady. <laughs> She's different, as we would <laughs> say in the Midwest. Is that the Midwestern equivalent of bless your heart? Yeah. Up here we have, oh, cool. <laughs> oh. Huh. Uh, huh. <laughs> Interesting. That's exactly how we would react to Elizabeth Baudry. And... Hmm. Well, she certainly has Modern her own ideas. <laughs> <laughs> she marches to the beat of her own drummer, Emily. This uh, podcast has just become your two Midwestern aunts talking <laughs> about uh, their bitch of a sister-in-law. <laughs> I mean, that was half the podcast before this, wasn't it? <laughs> I feel like that's the energy I bring. We're just going to retitle the show, Your Two Aunts. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you have your own stories, you can uh, tweet them at us at Afternoonified, Facebook at Facebook.com slash GetAfternoonified, Instagram at Afternoonified, um, website is GetAfternoonified.com. Please remember to rate, subscribe, like, review, all of that. Um, check out the other shows on the network. Yeah, please do. That would be nice. We have merch too. Merch is fun. Um, you're running dangerously low on time to get your Midge Midge 2020 shirts before it becomes not funny. <laughs> because everyone on the street is going to understand the joke. We'll probably just rebrand them after this election. Uh, Mothman Mothman 2024. <laughs> no, Mothman Midge 2024. <laughs> I want a strong Midge Mothman ticket with a Secretary of State, the the Babadook. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go. Yeah. See you guys. We Goodbye. love I'm going to need you all to roll plus charm to do the ad. That's a five. I got a ten. Eight. All right, Travis. Buddy can manage to get out the name of the show, but not much else. Monster Pod. Sadie, Jimmy's going to be able to get out the premise, but you didn't roll high enough for any spoilers. Monster Pod is a real play Monster of the Week podcast where four government-employed idiots try to save the world. Sarah, Thomason rolled high enough to finish the ad. Releases every other Friday here on So Below Media. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is as above, so below.